Amen. Thank you, worship team. Um, hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. This was my first Thanksgiving as an American. So that was a big moment. All my family's American except for Joseph, but he should catch up in a few weeks if he passes his test. We'll see. <laughs> so um, I know you know this kingdom life. Uh, as a church, you know, we have this strange identity in that when students aren't here, thanks, son. Um, we get a little bit smaller, a bit family, but we've still got some students here um, who've come back early. Um, special points in heaven, no doubt, you know, for, for being here. Um, so, um, I, you know, not, you know, sometimes if you've been here a while, you know that we, we change our minds um, on things. And um, we decided not to jump into our so series on worship. Um, because you know we're getting to the Christmas season and lots of students are going to be leaving and families travel and so um, so we've decided we we're just going to join with with the world church and we're going to talk about Advent okay which means we get to talk about Jesus um, I didn't light the candle I should have got cast to do that so I'm a poor high Anglican but um, we'll do that next week um, yeah but there's so many lights on I don't know if I can turn them all off like they everywhere oh, no, I know yeah we might light it at the end yeah cool thank you Tyler it's all well organized and choreographed people okay it's completely thought out so um, we are, we're going to talk about Advent you know which the great thing about Advent is it gives us four weeks just to talk about Jesus um, you know which we tend to like to do in this church anyway but we we're going to focus in on on him, obviously. And I, and I want you to remember what Amanda said about the manger and about Jesus and about brokenness because um, that's something that I think he wants us to step into tonight at the end and we'll, you know, we'll give the Holy Spirit space to, to minister to us. Um, but tonight the, is, is the first Sunday of Advent and it's traditionally... The, the week of hope and light, okay? Um, I'm, I'm gonna read quite a lot of scripture tonight, and some of it might be your favorite scripture. None of it's gonna be new to you. Um, but if there's, if there's one theme that, I, that I, I want us to take through this Advent uh, series, and it actually comes from a prophetic word that I was given a few weeks ago, which I'm claiming for myself, but I believe is for all of us. Um, and it's a simple one. But Jesus saying that there is more of me to know. Seek me and I will show you. And I, I want that to be the attitude of our hearts. Right? Um, and there might even be something on your hearts that you've been asking him for a while in terms of revelation. But my, my sense is that he wants to go from being an idea, being a man in a book, being the God of a religion that we've grown up in, to just increasing knowledge and intimacy. Okay, so hopefully that excites us. Hopefully that's something that we all want to step into. Um, and tonight, hope and light. Um, so, you know, when, we, when you think hope, it's, it's, an, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? You know, the hope of the Messiah. Emmanuel, God with us. 
and all that that entails. The hope of the light that came to shine in the darkness. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna push in on that a bit tonight. And the hope too, and this is something we don't talk about very often in the Western church, we talk about a lot more in, in, the, in the persecuted church, but the hope of Christ's return as well. Something that church used to be fixated on very powerfully, we don't talk about it much anymore. But this final hope of Jesus' return. Um, and I just wanna read a few verses from, from Matthew 24. This is one of the readings for today. Um, and it's Jesus talking about the end times. Matthew 24, I'll read from verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. It's kind of weird to start an Advent on Christmas thinking about Jesus' birth, and one of the readings is about when he comes back the next time. You know, this is how Advent works. Like we, we have this hope that goes forward. We have this big picture that we remember. Um, and I, you know, in, in my more religious days, um, this was one of the scriptures that used to scare me a little bit. It's like, dang, am I gonna be the one left? Am I gonna be watchful? Is he gonna come at the moment I'm sinning? And then I'm, <laughs> that's me, I'm done. You know, um, hopefully none of you have ever thought that, but you know, when, when I was younger, I used to have this fear. And, and, and it's, a curious, it's a curious analogy that Jesus talks about as coming back as, as a thief that we have to be watchful for, that it's gonna happen like that. But the good news, obviously, that's implied here is that we just get taken. We pass through judgment, we're told in Scripture by Jesus' blood, and we become one with him. This is amazing promise of hope, as long as you're not religious, like I was, it's a little scary. Um, but one of, one, of the, um, one of the kindest things, and this might sound like quite a, a weird vision, um, but one of the kindest things the Lord has ever done for me, a few years ago, he, he gave me a vision of when I die, and meet him, and I won't share all the details, but there were a couple of things that were just amazing, obviously, but the most wonderful thing was the way that he looked at me and walked up to me and then just held me. And he just said, welcome home. And then it was a little bit like extraterrestrial. I could, I, he wasn't saying anything, but I could hear all his thoughts towards me. And they were so beautiful and so good. It broke so much fear in me that I was somehow gonna let him down because he's already shown me when I get there, he's really happy with me. And that released me from this, from this fear of, you know, of judgment. This glimpse of his joy in me. And so I, d I just wanted to touch on that hope. I'm not gonna talk about his coming um, anymore tonight, but um, I just wanted to, to raise that Matthew reading.
And then Amanda read the reading from Isaiah 2. Um, and I just want to read the last um, two verses that Amanda read. So it's Isaiah 2, 4, and 5. And just let these words wash over us, particularly as we think about the world that we live in at the moment. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. So, you know, you guys, a lot of you know, most of you know that I, that I teach international politics. I actually specialize in war. We were supposed to be in a time when war wasn't supposed to happen anymore. That's what all the experts thought. It's funny how you know, human nature and sin just kind of keeps coming back. And we look around the world today, we weren't supposed to need tanks and drones and you know, all these things. But I, I, just, I, I love just having these words wash over me as I read them. And again, this hope, even if we look out and, and we're scared of what we see and there's rumors of war, you know, that Jesus says, don't panic, don't pay attention. Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. We have a God who will beat spears into pruning hooks and swords into plowshares. And we have the hope that there will be peace. Even as we look at this world that is just kind of fragmenting and creaking in the craziest ways, we have this hope. But it's the very last words there that really captivated me. Um, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try and uh, let you walk with me here and track with me, but this, these, Isaiah finishes with, in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. And the last week or two, I've been, I've, you, know, you know when you read scripture and, and something just like, just hits you, like in the spirit just makes it alive. And you might have read it you know, a hundred times before, but, it, but for some reason he's making it alive. And he did this with uh, Psalm 36 with me over the last few weeks. And again, I'm just gonna read verses seven to nine. And again, let these words wash over you. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. And in your light, we see light. Again, these words are so full of promise. The shadow of the Father's wings. Abundantly satisfied. Man, who could do with some of that? <laughs> Abundantly satisfied. To drink from the river of God's pleasures, from his fountain of light. But it's these last words that really hit me, and it's really strange because they're kind of weird. In your light we see light. 
And there's different translations. Some of you may have translations that do this differently, and they try and some translations try to translate in a way that maybe makes more sense. They might talk about walking in light or things like that, but it literally is in your light, in your light we see light. It seems to be one of the most obvious statements in scripture. Like if you're in the light, you see the light. Um, but I read this, I believe it was the day after I was giving the prophetic word about seeking Jesus, that he has more to show me. And these words came alive and they've been percolating in me and rattling me and antagonizing me. And I hope they can do that to you as well. Because again, I believe this, the theme of these next four weeks is that there's more of him to know, that he's inviting us. And there's more of him to worship and there's more of him to adore and there's more of him to, to glorify. There's more of him to be amazed at and, and wonder at. And there's more of him to just fall in love with. And the promise that I, that I see in these verses is that the more that we step into his light, the more that we do this intentionally, that we step into his light, the more his light is going to reveal himself. Okay, and again, that might be the most obvious thing I could say tonight, but please just grab hold of it and think through it and pray through it. That the more we step into his light, the more he is going to reveal to us. Okay, and I'm going to come back to that as we talk about darkness. You know, as we, as we, as we think about Jesus, um, we have this, this really perplexing reality when we read scripture. And, you know, and those of us you know, you, that have encountered Jesus, you know, we didn't encounter him in the flesh. You know, some of us have encountered his spirit, we've encountered his love, we've encountered his healing, and, 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 and he's amazing. And one of the most perplexing things about scripture is that Jesus, the very Jesus, himself was walking around the world and people hated him. And, and, and they were angry at him. And, he, and he, he healed people, he loved people, he cared for people. And he was the very fulfillment of the scriptures that were the center of their whole culture. And they could still hate him. And obviously a lot of people loved him and followed him. But remember the day when 5,000 or so people just walked away and only 12 remained? It's so perplexing. And yet, you know, if we, we have a bit of humility, you know, I, I can, you know, we could talk about the Pharisees and Jesus challenging their power and all those things, and, that, yeah, and that's true. But the reality is if we look at our own lives, if I look at my life, like it's horribly understandable as well. Because all the times when I choose not to do the things I know I'm supposed to do. That Paul writes so beautifully about in Romans 6, 7, 8, 9. Particularly 7 and 8. I'm sure, like me, you've experienced this will to reject him, to pursue the flesh. Sorry, this is not a very cheery Advent type sermon, but I'm getting somewhere with it, I promise. Okay, and we felt this. Like we have this beautiful, amazing God who comes as a child, comes into our brokenness, and we love him. At the same time, we wrestle with our brokenness. We wrestle with our choices. And yet, Jesus designed it this way. He, he knows that the only true love that 
we can have with him is love by choice, that we have to choose him. Like we don't believe in him, he kind of stamps us. Permanent love! You'll never go astray again, no. Nothing about you particularly, Zach, just. (laughs) But we always have this choice, don't we? And he gives us this choice because he wants our love to be authentic. And he wants us to, to yearn for him and to desire him, to find the one who is love and who is healing. And, and again, I found these words, in your light we see light, and I, they're, they're enticing me to want to know him more, to surrender to him more. I know you guys are tired of this word, but we have to just keep saying it. Surrender, 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 surrender. Like it's the way that we step into his light. It's the way that we encounter more of him, light. His light, to surrender to it. And obviously the beauty of surrender and the beauty of experiencing him and the beauty of being in his light and seeing more of him is not just that we get to know him better, but we become much better versions of ourselves. Amanda's often complaining about Matt, you know. <laughs> oh, Dan, you just left the room. Oh, that's, I can't care. But you know, we, <laughs> I was about to point out some of his sin and he left. Um, but don't you find this to be true? And when, we, when we're sitting, when we're choosing our own ways, where we're rebellious, like, we're just not that nice to be around. But when we choose him and we're pressing into him and we surrender to him, we, we, we're just nicer people. Then we have compassion and patience. And all the fruit of the Spirit just flows out of us. And we bless those around us. And the reality is, as we think about Advent and we think about Jesus coming to earth, one of the key things, that we remember salvation, and that's absolutely beautiful, I'm gonna come back to that, but one of the key things that Jesus came for is that we would know him. I know it's such a simple truth of our faith, but we just have to, we have to remember it. He came that we would know him. Not that we would remember him in the stories in the Bible, not that we would come here and just sing songs to him, but that we would come and sing and we would read scripture and we would worship and all these things because we know him. John ten fourteen, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. John 17, and this is eternal life, okay, salvation. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And the disciple who loved Jesus, John, says in 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. These promises of knowing. He didn't just come so he could be known by Mary and Joseph and James and Peter and like, by us. Like that, that, these promises, they still stand. And this wonderful hope, not just that we save, but that we know him. We have relationship with him. We have inter- intimacy with him. When the, um, when the angel appears to Mary, sorry, when the angel appears to Joseph in, first, in Matthew 1, he says to Joseph, 
Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. He will save us from our sins. And we read this and we can be, again, just fixated on salvation. And Jesus says eternal life is to know him. And some of us have, have heard this teaching on this word before, but just to remind ourselves that the Greek word that's used here when it talks about him saving us is this word sozo. Okay, sozo, to save, to heal, to be restored. It's an amazing word. It also can be translated to be delivered from our enemies. And in the context of New Testament, particularly spiritual enemies. And yeah, all of those things are true at salvation. We're gonna have new bodies and we'll be healed and there'll be no more suffering and we'll be saved from sin and from the demonic. But those things are now as well. So so is now. That we are saved, we have this hope now. That we don't have to be living in bondage. And think, think about the depth of the promise that he gives us here. You know, so we could, we could get into prosperity gospel mindset, you know, health and wealth, is that the phrase? Okay, and, that, and the prosperity gospel is really powerful in a lot of places where people suffer, and that makes sense. And of course it can be manipulated. But let's not lose sight of the fact that the gospel is supposed to prosper us. There's a prosperity of our soul and our bodies and our minds and our spirits because he's the one who came to save us. We should prosper in the gospel. We should prosper from being saved. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so we have the theme of hope and light. And, jo- and Jesus talks about being light in John 8. And this is, the, um, this is the famous story of the woman caught in adultery. And so I just wanted to read a few verses off. Because bear in mind again, you know, Jesus is talking about light, but he's talking in a context of sin and judgment, and brokenness and adultery and religion. Like all of these things that, that we face. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Which is funny, of course, because she had been accused, but they've gone. No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In John 12, 46, Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And this, this, word, this word darkness, skatia, 
It's, um, it's a really interesting word. You know, most people we think of as sin, which, which it can mean. It can mean brokenness. It can mean spiritual darkness, like a heavy oppression. It can also mean spiritual blindness. That we don't see. We don't see what's happening around us spiritually. And again, that's one of the, that's one of the things that in your light we see light. Jesus, I am the light. I have come as a light into the world. That as we press into him, as we walk into his light, we, we will see the world around us illuminated. And I think it was last week I spoke about one of the, one of the realities of, of my experience of the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit was like having scales fall from my eyes and actually being able to see things and understand things spiritually, which I couldn't before. And some of us face darkness in our lives and, we, and we're trying to beat the darkness physically. And that darkness is spiritual and it's not gonna go away unless we fight it with spiritual weapons. And Jesus is the one who brings the light that we can see that if we will allow him to illuminate it. Paul writes in Thessalonians 5, you are all sons of light and daughters. You are all sons of light. And in that same verse, he tells us to put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. The hope of being saved as a helmet, that we are sons of the light. So my message tonight is a simple one. I, don't, I haven't said anything that you haven't probably thought about a hundred times. But I believe that there are three things that the Lord wants us to meditate on. And I want us to just, we're gonna take two or three minutes just to let the Holy Spirit speak. Okay, so the first is what I've said several times already. Is that there's more of him to know. And I, you know, I, I, and I don't want to trivialize this, but it was, it almost felt like the Lord saying, like, would you put something on your wish list? You know, I was thinking about my Christmas wish list. I love gifts, just by the by, if anyone love language, okay, love gifts. But like, I was thinking today, I need to update my wish list, you know. And I and I just felt, I felt the Lord saying, like, well, you know, am, am I on it? Like. Is there a part of me that's on it? Is there something about me you'd like to know more of? Like, stick, stick me on the wish list. Like, what are you asking for this Christmas? And so I, I dare you to do that. And I can't guarantee he's gonna give you what you ask for, but, I, but, but ask him. There's no harm in asking him. But will we seek him more? That there's more of him to know. This is the first thing. The second thing, and again, this might just be for one person, but that Jesus has become distant to you. That you still believe, you still have faith, but that he's distant. He's the God on the pages. He's the God on the cross. He's the God that you sing songs to, but he's not imminent. He's not Emmanuel. He's not illuminating your life. 
And if that's you, as we, as we meditate, I just, I, I just ask you to, to ask Jesus to reveal himself. Make that request of him. And then the third thing, um, I'm going back to what Amanda prayed. I, I believe that the Lord has this promise for us in this season for us to push against darkness. Okay, whatever that looks like in your life, and it could be brokenness, it could be wounding. You know, I think for you guys, Wes, I think it's literal darkness. You know, I think this is a part of your work that um, needs to be pushed against constantly. And I felt that again tonight. And I think we should pray for you before you leave again, okay? Um, But let's believe Jesus when he says that I am the light of the world that we do not abide in darkness. This is part of our inheritance. We don't have to tolerate darkness. So as we we pray and reflect, just let the Spirit speak. It could be something old, it could be something new, it could be something, you know, just let Him speak. And if you all promise not to go to sleep, we can turn the lights off. And I'll light the candle. And then Amanda might have something to pray as well. We know that darkness cannot overcome the light. The light shines in the darkness. Well, Jesus, there are, there are so many ways that you could have chosen to sort out creation and to sort out sin. And you chose to come as a child. You chose to be the light in the darkness that we had created. Jesus, you, you came that we would not be condemned by our sins. And you came that we would know you and we would know our Father. And you came that darkness would be broken and we would not have to abide in it any longer, but that we could walk in your light. Lord, I pray that you would draw us into your light. That you would illuminate our spirits and our hearts and our minds to know more of the power, power of these words, Lord, that you are the light that shines in the darkness. So Holy Spirit, I ask, would you come now and would you speak to your children? Holy Spirit, draw us into more knowledge of Jesus. Shine your light on any darkness that we need to be aware of.